0: Welcome to Pathway to Faith podcast, the media ministry of Harvest Church International Outreach, where we elevate and nurture families through the Word of God. We are so glad that you are here and believe that God will change your life through today's message. Let's listen. Hallelujah. I pray that you'll be blessed by the overflow. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, we know in our previous lessons that uh, the world is trying to redefine what marriage and what family is. Pastor Johnson, it's not an accident that you're here today with your fiance. Get on the edge of your seat, both of you. Because if you do it right, it'll last a lifetime. And if you do it for the right reasons, no matter what attack comes, because they do come, you'll be able to weather it because you know your union is the Lord's doing and is marvelous in your eyes. And so we, we are clear on the fact that God is the architect, that God is the creator of family. God designed the family. Can you say amen? And in that design, in that architectural design, God placed all of the elements in the union that defines what a marriage is, that in turn evolves into a family. And the Bible says that God made Adam and he made Eve. So God, say God, God calls marriage between a man and a woman. There is no other definition for marriage biblically than a man talk to me and a woman. Would you go ahead and put up nugget number one, nugget number two, and nugget number three, and nugget number four, and I believe nugget number five. Ready? Read. You give authority over your life. Say it again. Whatever you submit to, you give it authority over your life. Say it again. Whatever you submit to. Now, now, husbands, when you submit yourself to your wife, wives, when you submit yourself to your husband, you give him the right to exercise authority in your life. You can no longer do your own thing. Number number two, please. Nugget number two. everything that Adam and Eve had dominion over became submitted to who? To Satan. Say it again. Everything that Adam and Eve had dominion over. Ooh, Jesus, we'll we'll clear that. Nugget number three, please. Nugget number three. Ladies, say that a little louder. Brothers, say that again. This is crucial. God didn't come up. He came down. And he came looking for Adam, not Evie. God came, talk to me. He came down. And he came down because he was looking for somebody. And he wasn't looking for Eve. God have mercy. Nugget number what? Number four. Let's go ahead. Come on, ladies. We just talked about the last service. We talked about being married to a covering or being married to a lid. God addressed man. Why? Because man has the responsibility of covering the wife and the family. Nugget number five. I want every man to stand up. Because until you get this right, you'll never get your marriage right. You'll never get relationships right. Men read, love is a sacrifice being beneficial to someone else at your expense. And if you're not spending your money on her, you're out of position. And if you have another savings account that she doesn't know anything about, you're sneaky. And secrets divide you. Boy, it got quiet. The sisters aren't even saying anything. Love, brothers, is a sacrifice. You hear that, Pastor? Man, it's a sacrifice, and if you're not ready to sacrifice, you don't get married. It's a sacrifice. If it's only one piece of bread, she gets it. If it's only enough money to buy one outfit, she gets it. If it's only enough money to buy one nice car, she drives it. Love is a sacrifice, sacrifice. That means you have to give up something. That means you love her sacrificially. And she doesn't need your sacrifice when she's doing everything right. She needs a sacrifice When she's missed it. Just like Jesus Christ was the sacrifice for you. And he told you husbands. He said, love your wife like I've loved the church. And sacrificed. Glory to God. So you don't stay in two places. Two places is flesh. This is a spiritual matter. It's a sacrifice. God commands you to love her sacrificially. And he told you to love her first before he ever spoke to Eve. Because she is a responder. And it's hard for her to respond to you correctly if you have lived in such a way where she can't trust you. Are you all listening to me? Please have a seat. Can I say it, God? Women, if you want to talk to my wife after service, talk with her. But women, by nature, are insecure. You ever notice, uh, brothers, when you get ready, you get ready once and you just go on? You ever notice your wife, she can spend several uh, minutes... Half an hour, an hour or so in the mirror getting ready. You get in the car and she looking in the mirror again. You get to church, she's looking for a mirror in the hallway. And no matter how old she gets, she's always concerned. The reason she's that way, God made her that way. Because her security is supposed to come from you. If she didn't feel that without you, she wouldn't need you. You're supposed to make her secure. That no matter what happens in this house, I got you. Even though you've missed it, I got you covered. Even when we're not getting along, it's never going to be to the place where I'm not concerned about your well-being. I got you. Ooh, Jesus. I'll always make sure there's food on the table and a roof over your head and that we have life insurance. I got you. Thank you for helping me pull the wagon, but if you decide you don't want to pull it, we're still going to make it because I got you. God is my security and I'm yours. God put me, Adam, in charge and he charged me to take care of you, to love you sacrificially. Jesus. Hard to have marital problems when the man loves his wife sacrificially. Because when he loves her sacrificially, it's hard for him to get upset or to have a pouting excursion or or, or, uh, some selfish fit because he understands it's not about me. It's about her. And the responsibility God has given me to protect her. Jesus. Glory to God. I have consecrated my eyes to where my eyes are only for you. So you don't have to ever get nervous of who come into the room because no matter how tall she is, no matter how shaped she is, no matter how pretty she is, she's not you. And I made a decision to love you. So you don't ever have to be threatened by anybody coming in the room. I don't care how young she is, how old she is, how much money she has, how smart she is or anything like that. I made a decision to love you sacrificially. My eyes are only for you. Good God of mercy. Is this good? Every time God lifted up the curtain of revelation to a man in the Bible, the first thing revealed to him was God's original plan for man. Say God's original plan. I want you to notice something in Psalms. Let's go there. Psalms chapter 8. Psalms Chapter 8, every time God lifted up the curtain of revelation to a man in the Bible, and we're in the Bible, the first thing revealed to him was God's original plan for man. Are you in Psalms 8? Look at verse number 4. Good God of mercy. Almost want to minister in a way like there were no women in the room. Because men have been robbed by Satan, blinding us as to how awesome we are. Men, you are so powerful. You are so powerful. That's why when you walk in your dominion, your wife feels safe with you. Are you in Psalms chapter 8? Look at verse 4. Look what David says. God has opened up the curtain of revelation, and look what David says. He says, what is man? He, He, minister, he's talking to God. He's saying to God, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him, oh Jesus, for you have, c- come on now, for you have made him a little lower than angels and you have crowned him with glory and honor. If you check that out in the Hebrew, it would be a better rendering to say, who Jesus, that God has made you man a little lower than himself. That God has made you a little lower Can you handle this? A little lower than deity. So that's why I couldn't come out of my prayer this morning to around four this morning. I got in bed around four something. I had to get up at six something. Because I was pondering this. And I want to minister, but I'm feeling a little prophetic. Because the blinders need to fall off of your eyes so that you can see who you really are and don't waste your life and your time running around for the rest of your life chasing young girls with skirts on. You're more powerful than that. That God has made you a little lower than himself. So I begin to think, about being made in the image, the likeness, the similitude of God. So I began to allow my mind to imagine and focus on things that have been uh, created or invented. And I thought to myself, man, made a little lower than deity. He's not God, but he's been made like God. He's not God, but he's been made like God. So I began to look at the world and see how, how genius man is. That man can build a rocket, an instrument, and fly to the moon, and build a suit, That he can put on and walk on the moon and not die. Not long ago, you think it's long, but it's not long ago that in America we were riding horses and buggies. And now you can get on a jet in the morning and have a late breakfast in Europe and have dinner in Africa in the same day. You can talk on a phone today and look at who you're talking to. I know you think it was long, but it wasn't long ago where you had to use a dial phone with a 150 feet cord on it. Because one phone had to have a cord that would reach into Every room. Your mom or dad or whoever was ready say, bring me the phone. And man, you'd you'd have to, I mean, you had to take two hands. One on the phone and one on the cord. And then you're running trying to get it and then part of the cord gets stuck on a door and then you gotta be flicking it. (laughs) That wasn't long ago. It wasn't long ago that when you could talk on a cordless phone, the phone would be almost as big as this box. <laughs> now, the genius of man who's been made in the image, the similitude, and the likeness of God, you can talk to anybody standing right. Here. You can talk to anybody on the face of the globe if you got their number. And it will sound on many occasions like they're just in the other room and they're in China. I would have thrown it to you, but my daddy didn't allow me to throw things. I mean, one time my daddy said, uh, bring me that boy. And I went and got it. <laughs> Somebody said, did he catch it? He didn't even reach for it. And when he didn't reach for it, I knew I was in trouble. And <laughs> I went over there and got it. I said, I'm sorry. Dad. He said, don't you have Throw anything in. If I ask you to throw it, don't you ever? So so what is it, Christian men, that we have all of this, this this godliness in us, all of this power in us? What is it about us that we have all of this authority in us? And we can't pay our bills. We have all this power. We have all of this authority on the inside of us. And we don't even have life insurance for ourselves or our families. We have all of this power made in the image of God who owns everything, and you're broke. You have so much power that you can change anything in his name. Can somebody say amen to to, to, to this truth? Say this with me. God is calling me. Come on, ladies, say it. God is calling me to a position of authority. That means nothing have a right to reign over you. This is not my message but it'll fit right here. Tell somebody. Say, neighbor, poverty is a curse. God has given you power and dominion and authority over poverty. You have enough power to kick out lack in your house and everybody you know. Mm-hmm. Now, let's go to uh, look at verse number six of the same the same book. You have made him. This is important. He said in verse four, what is man that you're mindful of him? David gets down to verse six and he says, you have made him. To have dominion. Over the works. Of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. Some of you didn't catch this. Look at this. You have made him, verse number six, you have made him to have what? So it's clear in this text that David looking at scripture have come to the realization or the revelation that Adam and Eve in the garden had dominion. Yes, sir. Yes. That God had opened David's eyes as a result of studying the word that God had given Adam and Eve dominion in the garden. Yes, dominion means authority. Yes, dominion means power. Dominion means rulership. And stewardship that God had given man dominion over all the works of his hands who Jesus Boy, this this is good now let's go to Genesis 1 you, you're going to see something now God has given man dominion yes over all the works of his hand you're going to see something now I pray it will bless your life forever Genesis 1. When you're there, say amen. And if you can't find Genesis 1, we're in trouble. Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created heaven and the earth. When did he do it? In the beginning, he did what? He created the heavens And the earth. So it's clear now that God was in the beginning before the beginning. So whatever happened in the beginning, God was there first. Before the beginning. So we don't have a real way, theologically speaking, to know when God began. Because He began before the beginning. If He had a begin. So we would blow a fuse to try to find out where did God begin? Because to find out where God began, where would you begin? Where would you begin to find out where God began? But we see in this verse that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Here we go. The earth was without form, and void, and darkness, was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now, now there, there notice here in this verse that there are three uh, situations here that violate the principles of the character of God. Number one, God is, with, is not without form. Number two, God is not void. He's not empty. And number three, God is not darkness. For God is light. There's no darkness in him at all. Good God of mercy. <clears throat> so based upon this scripture... And what David said in Psalms, there's an alien, an intruder that is in the garden. Before Adam and Eve, you better get this. There's an intruder in the garden before Adam and Eve were ever created. Because when we read this verse, there are three major things here and none of them are characteristics or attributes of God. So there's something that has brought this presence. So it's clear from scripture, there is an intruder, an alien that is in the garden before Adam and Eve ever got there. Good God of mercy. That's why God created Adam and told him to exercise dominion over an uh, an entity that is exercising dominion without his authority. Come on now. So no wonder Satan, good God of mercy, had access to Eve. Because he was there before she got there. But he was an unauthorized dealer. He was acting like the earth was his. But the Bible says that the earth is the Lord and the fullness. Preach to me, somebody, and the fullness thereof. So the earth is not the devil's, and the earth is not Adam's, and the earth is not Eve's. The earth is the Lord's. It all belongs to him. And why are you broke? And why are you poor when your daddy owns everything? Unless you have been robbed, blinded, uninformed about who you really are in Christ Jesus. You think you're a Johnson. You think you're a Smith. You think you're a Butler. You think you're a Jefferson or a Washington or a Halp. Those names I just mentioned have no authority in the earth. Satan is not afraid of that name or that family. But if you've been washed in the blood of Jesus, you've been born into the family of Almighty God. And in his family, you have power, you have authority. You have rulership. But when you don't think you're nothing, you don't act like nothing. Preach, boy, preach. When you don't think you're nothing, you sit down in the pew like you're nothing. When you don't think you're nothing, you let people say anything they want to say to you. When you don't think you're nothing, the world will roughside you and override you. When you don't think you're nothing, you won't claim what rightfully belong to you. But when you know who you are in Christ Jesus. Hmm. This helping anybody at all? Now let's go to Genesis 1, 28. And see something now. You, you're going to hear it in a different way. Look at 28. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Adam, would you please stand? Eve, would you please stand? At least a couple of Adams, a couple of Eves. Notice, Sister Eve. That when God spoke to Adam, he spoke to you. Are you in Genesis 1, verse 26? It's on the screen. Then God blessed them and God said to them, "Be." put it back up. What did I say? Yeah, go back to 28. Don't listen to the other man up here talking. Then God blessed them. And God said, I wish they was that fast when I say something else. You see how quick they changed on something I didn't want? (laughs) Then God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. that's That's not it. Look at the next word. Subdue it. Have dominion. Subdue. Come on now. Any military people here other than myself? Yeah, subdue. Those are military terms. God's talking militarily. He's talking military strategy. He's giving Adam and Eve a military charge. He said, subdue. Well, you don't have to subdue anything that's not opposing you. Why did I say subdue? Because God knew Lucifer was already there. Operating as an unauthorized dealer. But he said to Adam and Eve, but I've made you. I know Lucifer is a falling archangel, but I made you in my likeness. In my similitude. And I'm sending you into the garden to subdue. You don't have to subdue something unless there's something that will oppose you when you get there. And he's walking around in the garden like God gave it to him. And so God tells Adam, I made you like me. Now I'm placing you in the garden. Subdue it. Dress it. Keep it. Guard it. You don't have to guard something unless there's an enemy. Please, please have a seat. Is this helping you at all? So if your marriage is not working, your marriage is under attack. And I know we have children here, so I have to be careful, but isn't it amazing how you can't he- keep your hands off each other when you're dating? Y'all scoot over. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> isn't it amazing? How, how we are when we're dating? Yeah. <laughs> Watch your hand, honey. <laughs> no, no, you better not do that. You need to move your hand. I don't think we should be doing that. Move over. <laughs> I can't handle that right now. Why are you dating? Don't touch me like that. I do love Jesus, but don't touch me like that. You know, what you're dating and then get married and not long after you're married. Uh, hallelujah. <laughs> and and because we don't understand who the real enemy is, what do we do? We fight each other. And then after a while, if we allow the devil to get a real grip, we go to talking about leaving one another. Where are you going to go? I'm packing. Where are you going? One of my kids said that one day. I'm packing. I'm leaving, Dad. I said, all right, go ahead. Just take what you own. It wasn't but a bag. It's the truth. Level. I mean, they they heading, you know, heading to Georgia the wrong way. I waited around a few hours. You know how kids sometimes are threatening you for what they're after is control, manipulation. So sometimes you have to let them know you wouldn't let them go. Here's some Greyhound money. Get you to Kansas City, Kansas. You know, sometimes they'll play you, especially if you're a blended family. They'll play you with the other other uh, the other parent. And I'm, I'm gonna go stay with mama. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go stay with daddy. Well, if they'd have wanted you more than I wanted you to be with them now. Because the kids always wind up with the parent who really want them. They didn't like that, but it's the truth. Who Jesus? Where was I, sweetheart? So you'll fight each other if you don't know who the real enemy is. You'll fight each other. So how do we get from the marriage of, of, of throwing rice and looking at each other? I mean, you don't, you don't know pressure as a pastor other than when you're doing a wedding. You know, because sometimes I want to exercise my long version. And, and sometimes the groom or the bride will look at me. Particularly him, like, you know, I don't hear nothing you're saying, Reverend. But, I, I, you, know, I, you know, get there. Because he wants to get out. Most men don't care nothing about all the celebration. They got one thing on their mind. And, and so, ladies, when you don't understand men, you'll say stupid stuff like this to your husband. That's all you think about. <laughs> Guess what? That's all he'd think about. God made him that way. You better be glad that's what he'd think about. Ooh, Jesus. They didn't like that. So let's close with this. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter chapter 5. I believe this will bless you. Ephesians chapter 5. You there, say amen. As long as it took me, you ought to be there. (laughs) Stick your finger there and go to Romans chapter 5. Roman, just back up just, just a little. I, I think you need to see this because I made a point and I, I don't want somebody to go out in the parking lot and mis, uh, misrepresent what I said and take some things out of context. In Romans 5, look at verse 12. You there? Therefore, just as through one man's sin... Enter the world and death through sin and thus death spread to all men because all sin. So sin entered into us because of Adam. Okay, okay, maybe this will help you. You're not a sinner because you sin. You sin because you're a sinner until you get born again. Are you listening to me? You're not a sinner because you're sin. How many are saved? Have you ever missed it? That's a nice way of saying sin. Did that stop negate your salvation? Because sin doesn't make you a sinner. You sin because you are a sinner. That's how you know you're born again. Because the things you used to do that didn't bother you before you got saved, if you try to do it after you're born again, you come under conviction. You sitting on the edge of the bed crying. The person would with think you're crazy. What's wrong with you? I just, this ain't right. What do you mean it's not right? We were doing it a few months ago. Yeah, but I, I, you know, I confess I give my life to Jesus. And uh, I was at that church on, out there across the world of fun. And the man said, if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. the And I, I don't know. I said what he told me to do. But, but something happened on the inside of me. And I know what we've been doing. But I ain't comfortable with this no more. And so we see that, oh God, we we won't have time to go there. But there was a moment in the garden that redemption was still there. The Bible says that Satan deceived Eve and she did eat. But notice when Eve ate of of the fruit, nothing happened. The reason nothing happened is because for a moment, I don't know how long the moment was, but for a moment, redemption was still available. Because as long as Adam did not eat, he was her redeemer. Eve could be redeemed. God did not come down until Adam ate. And notice, when God came down to have a rendezvous with Adam, Eve is not even in the picture. God didn't come down and say, hey, where's your wife? He didn't even ask for Eve. As a matter of fact, up to this point, God has never spoken a word to Eve. Her only understanding of God was through her husband. That's why you don't marry a man who can't teach you. Are you listening to me? You marry a man who can't teach you. and There's a war when you bring him to church between he and I and and jealousy and envy can, can, can creep in. Because he'll feel like I'm teaching you and he's not. Ooh, Jesus. And he'll get mad and say, you, you just listen to what Pastor Halp's saying. Listen to me. That's why you got to marry a man that can teach you. A man that, that can share the word with you so that when you come to church, uh, you get confirmation. And you look over your husband and say, baby, <laughs> you, you were just talking about that. And he'll sit there real calm and collective and say, yeah, baby, I, yeah, I, I did. Yeah. The Lord was speaking to me. so you'll discover you're not enamored over your pastor, you're enamored over your husband. Preach, boy, preach. I said, preach, boy, preach. So there was a moment there where, where Eve could have been redeemed. All Adam had to do was deal with the devil. Because God had given him dominion and headship. Stewardship. So a moment there in the garden, there was still hope of all humanity not falling. And God stayed his hand. God didn't move. Eve got his attention, but he didn't move. Because there was still hope. But when Adam ate, God had to move. And the Bible says, he came down looking for Adam. And God confronted Adam and said, what have you done? And Adam changed from a covering to a lid He didn't cover her anymore. He blamed her. And he blamed God. He said the woman I didn't ask for, I was working. You said it's not good, I thought I was all right. It's the woman you gave me, and there's some situations in here like that right now, and watch me around the world. You're blaming your wife for the conditions in your house when you, Adam, have the power and the authority to change it, But you have to love her sacrificially. Because if you don't love her sacrificially, you want the marriage to crumble so you can make another choice. Let her go it'll give me another opportunity to shoot the gun again. If you're not careful, Adam, you will drive her away and blame it on her when in reality you wanted her to go because you didn't love her sacrificially. You didn't love her like God told you to love her. Talking to you, Pastor Johnson. Let's close it out now, Ephesians 5. It's amazing how people pick out certain things in the Bible that they want to expound on, and I mean, just they just beat it, beat it, beat it. But what about this? What about this? All these other topics you want to talk about. Let's talk about this. Look at verse 22. Ephesians 5, verse 22. Wives? Don't get silent. Wives? Future wives? Well, I like that. wives, uh, future wives, 2023 wives coming. Yeah, there we go. You have what you say. Wives, submit to your own husband. Stop grinning in another man's face all the time. Go home and smile at your own husband. Wives, submit to your own husband as to the Lord. Wives, submit. It it means, another translation says, listen. Don't be listening to Lucifer, listen to Adam. That's what got Eve in trouble. She started listening to another man. And another man can't do anything but lie to you. Because another man is sent from Lucifer. He can't be sent from God. God never sends a woman to a man that's married. God never sends a man to a woman that's married. God never sends a woman to a man that's married. And and their being nice is a trap. Let me come on this side and say it again. That woman on the job who appears to be more nicer than your spouse is a trap. She's not that nice. She's tricking you. She's tricking you. She don't talk like that. She put that tone on for you. Hello. I was hoping you was gonna come today. My day is just not right until I know you're here. Now you're laughing, but that can be a temptation when you just left the home, when your wife said, well, before you come home, make sure you bring some broccoli and some nuts. You know we got a Daniel's fast. You know, we're in this Daniel's fast, bring some nuts home. We're getting low. You know, and it's just day five. <laughs> we're praying for Harvest Christian Schools. hmm. This, this, here here we go. Let's close it out and, and, and connect with our last lesson, the last service in the, in, the, in the next verse. For the husband is the what? For the husband is what? No, a better rendering is the husband is the covering. You're not the boss, you're the leader. You're the leader, you're not in the back, you're in the front. Ooh, Jesus. A leader don't send his family to church. A leader brings his family to church. My kids growing up watching my wife go to church with them, and I'm at home waiting for a ball game. The devil is a lie. I'm the head of my house, and the devil needs to know it. That I know my position. My wife don't bring my kids to God. I bring my wife and my children to God. Look at this. For the husband is the covering of the wife. Brothers, your wife is not your covering. She's your helper. It's getting quiet in this church. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. So how does Jesus love the church? Once we find out how Jesus loved the church, our clothes. Once we find out how Jesus loved the church, brothers, that is how then we are to love our wives. And our marriage is never going to work until we love her the way God says, Love her. So your marital problems is not her fault. Your problem is. How are you loving her? Because she is just a responder to what you're giving her. And if you're married to a woman like I'm married to, if you don't put it out, you don't get nothing. Because she ain't about that phony stuff. You know, getting in front of folks holding hands. you know, get in the car and don't speak, I mean, she'll bust you out. <laughs> I'm telling you. She just, you know, that's just her makeup. You know, she'll tell me, don't get me in front of a bunch of folk and go to acting like, don't you do it to me. <laughs> you know, she'll tell me when we aren't hitting on all cylinders. Don't look at me eyed. all cockeyed. We're, we're not hitting on all cylinders all the time. You know, the Daniel's fast puts a strain on everything. <laughs> so, so, so how, how does Jesus love the church? Jesus loves the church, this is it, unconditionally. He loves the church when we're right. He loves the church when we're wrong. And if you don't love your wife that way, you're not loving her like Christ. Love the church. Jesus. Jesus loves the church redemptively. That means when she's wrong, you step in. So you become your wife's redeemer. When she makes a mistake, you fix it. While we were yet sinners, did he die? And some still don't love him. But he loves us redemptively That means that even if you haven't done what I like for you to do, I will still be your provider. When I get upset, I don't cut back on what I'm doing. I don't get mad when you spend a little money. It's that's what money's for. Sometimes God has to bless you with a woman that will stop you from being so tight. Just keep, look, keep looking straight. Don't, don't. Wives don't grunt. She's a helper. You wouldn't give half of what you give if you wasn't married to the kind of woman you're married to. I'm married to a giver. I'm married to a sower. And sometimes he gets it and it hasn't even crossed my mind. But I've learned to agree with it. Why? Because you can't sow and not get a harvest. And the devil's never gonna tell you to sow. Who Jesus? So we're not going to fall out over money. Money's not our God. And I don't need an account every time she comes home to give me an account of what she spent for every penny or every dime. She's a grown woman. She's not my daughter. I don't need her asking me for pantyhole money. I ought to have given her enough of that kind of money so that she can take care of that all that kind of stuff without a request from me. That's control. Then I give her money when she don't need any. Because it makes me feel good to give to her. Because I've been designed by God to give to her. Physiologically, I've been made to give. I give her my seed and she incubates it and give me a child. I bring home food and she works with it. Right now it's just nuts, fruits, and vegetables. Glory <laughs> to God. Much imagination you can add to it either. Just nuts, fruits, vegetables, water. Plenty of water. And then tell yourself you fool. <laughs> so God loves the church unconditionally. He loves the church redemptively, and I'm going to leave with this. Christ loves the church sacrificially. How much am I willing to sacrifice myself for her? Did I marry her so we'd have more money in the house? Did I marry her because of some status it would give me to say that she was my wife because she's a doctor of education? Did I marry her because she would help me to get what I want? Or did I marry her with sacrifice in mind? That when I find out what she desires, when I find out what she wants, am I willing to do every godly thing I can to make it happen? Because women always want something, Brother Johnson. It will never stop. And when they say, honey, if you get me this dress, I'm telling you, for the rest of the year, I'm done. Not true. Do I love her sacrificially? If I come short in any one of those three accounts, we're going to have miracle problems. The devil is going to start walking around in my house. And it won't be long, we won't be on the same page. And now the law of the lack of unity kicks in. How can two walk together? So we're walking apart. And then the half-brother of Jesus understood the importance of this point and he said, don't let the sun. You don't go to bed mad. You find a place of agreement before you close your eyes. You get it straight before you go to sleep. Because if you go to bed mad, you wake up mad. Because your spirit man doesn't sleep and you've released something in the atmosphere. And while you're trying to sleep, confusion is permeating in your house. And you look up one day, you are looking at each other and you're mad, you don't even know why. You're not even getting along and you can't pinpoint where it started. Instead of growing closer together, you're growing further and further apart. Because you're not loving your wife unconditionally, sacrificially and redemptively. Oh, God. Isn't it interesting? At this juncture, God tells the man to love his wife. You say that to Eve? He told her to listen, to submit, but he told Adam to love. And love is not a feeling. Love is not emotions. Love is a decision. And when you're a real man of God, you can stand by the decision that you made. Because a man is no better than his word. Come on now, let stay with the text. He didn't tell her to love. He told her to submit. But he told Adam to love. And I believe one reason God had to tell Adam to love her is because prior to that, Adam was in love with his job. And most men, if he doesn't, you know, shake his mind with the word of God, he's satisfied when he can work and make enough money and have others, the other. Starts with an S. Two S's. Work, S, and S. The last was sleep. So God had to get his attention and said, don't use her, love her. Don't want her only when you want S. Love her. Love her unconditionally. Love her redemptively. Love her sacrificially. And she'll give you all the S you want, anytime you want it. You can wake her up in the middle of the night. She'll wake up. Yeah, give me some music. (laughs) Remember this. We used to sing a song, Mother, when I was a little boy growing up in church. Understand it now. He looked beyond my faults. And he saw, come on, church. That's the way a husband is to respond to his wife. He looked beyond his wife's shortcomings and saw her need. And when you meet her needs, brother, she will do everything in her power to address yours. Oh, God. She cannot address yours. Until you address hers, (sighs) she can't do it. You're asking her to give you something you're not giving. She can't give it until you give it. She can't give you a baby until you give her a seed. She can't give you a dinner until you give her groceries. She can't give you a home until you give her a house. And if you sow love into her, she will love you back and I'm done. So, brothers, stop waiting. Start giving. I hear you, Reverend, but I've been giving. Keep on giving. Just keep on giving. Keep on responding to her like Christ responds to the church, to you and I. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. Keep on asking. Baby, are you awake? Baby, are you awake? Baby, are you awake? I am now. (laughs) Keep on asking. Father, I thank you today for the word. I thank you for the revelation that went forth and those who have an ear to hear, I thank you that they heard it. I pray the spirit of stubbornness and rebellion off of the stony heart that is endeavoring to prevail to stay stony. God, I pray that you would breathe even as I'm speaking and break up that fallow ground tenderize his heart, tenderize her heart. That the seed of a word that was sown today, that it can take root in good soil and produce a harvest in their marriage, in their union, and in their family. God, I thank you because your word will not return void. I thank you for every miracle in this room and around the world. How Satan's assignment and attack and strategy was to destroy that marriage, to destroy that family, have been canceled today. I thank you, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, for every man whose eyes, the scales have fallen off. And he realized that the trouble and the confusion and the disagreement in his home that he has the authority and the dominion to put out of his house everything that's not like God. Brothers, come home. Come home to your wife. Come home to your family. We need you. Wives, come home. Come home to your husband. Leave that other man alone. Come home to your husband. Believe God to work it out, because he will. Believe God to do the impossible, because he will. Come home, my sister, to your family. To your family. Be with your family. And watch God reward you just for your act of obedience. He that have an ear, let him hear now what the Spirit of God is speaking to His people. In Jesus name. Thank you for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give generously and make this ministry outreach possible. Click the link in the description to give now or visit hcio.org slash podcast for more information. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Even tag us on social media at Harvest Church KC. Thanks again for listening.